1: Two guys of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com.
2: Actually, it's a Mackie and Judd production. Talking Twins is the show as we do each Monday. Zolgad, Jake Depew, and uh, executive producing Declan Goff. And um, all right, Jake Depew. So we did our, our last show on Monday, May 3rd. The twins played Texas that night in the start of a four game series, and they won that game. And we they said. A great stretch of games against bad teams they then lost their next three to texas at home by the way uh, they went to detroit on friday they won seven to three and we said well maybe there's something here and then they got beat seven to three themselves on saturday i guess by the grace of god they got rained out on sunday this team is the um, second worst team in the american league and i think the third worst team in baseball held out of last place only by the fact that the tigers are so awful the twins right now with um sunday and monday off and then starting a series tuesday in chicago against the white sox are 12 and 20 and i say we rip the band-aid right off and get to a a patented depew twins meltdown because at this point in time i think i think there's enough twins fans who are disgusted who are disappointed and want the, the truth and right now there is no sugarcoating this. Like there's nothing we're going to tell you. Hey, just wait. It's a long season. Okay. So the floor is yours about what the hell has gone wrong 32 games into this season. Can we just talk about the wild instead? No, because we've got that show and it's me and Dex and we're set up unfortunately. Yeah, sorry. So, sorry, dude. I know. I are, are know. We got a Viking show. No, you are you elected to be on the twin show because <laughs> you love baseball. So you have to suffer but I know that, that you don't suffer silently, which is why I like you being on this show. Well,
1: I appreciate it. I like being on this show, uh, despite the the fact that we have to talk about uh, what's turning out to be a pretty bad team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, there's just there's really nothing positive to talk about. Uh, but I, I do want to talk a little bit about the front office uh, because I think I, I'm still a fan of Falvey and Levine and the whole front office. I think they've done a good job for sure. Um, but, you know, I used to think they were a top five front office in baseball uh you know in 2019 i I definitely had that opinion and and i don't really think that anymore um and when you look at their history they've now had this is year five they took over in november 2016 um you know it's been a mixed bag they've they've produced some some really good teams for sure no playoff success obviously uh but they've also made quite a few mistakes uh you know and i think one of the biggest criticisms of this front office is the lack of Start starting pitching that they've developed. You know, they really haven't developed anybody. There really aren't any good young arms. You know, Barrios was, had already been, he, he'd already made his major league debut when they arrived. He's certainly, you know, held steady as a 3.5 to 4 ERA guy, uh, but he hasn't gotten significantly better, I wouldn't say, Um, on, you know, under their watch, on their watch. Um, and other than that, it's like, who if they really developed, you know, the big guys were from Fernando Romero and Steven Gonsalves. Uh Those guys are now gone. Um, and other than that, I mean, th- they've got some nice guys in the minors, Duran, Balzovic, Josh Winder, uh, but but nobody's made an impact at the major league level. And and I would have expected by year five, given Falvey's background in particular in Cleveland, developing pitching, I would have expected that we'd have some young arms in the rotation. And that hasn't happened at all. You know, if you, their rotation is, you know, Maeda, Pineda, Hap, Shoemaker—all guys that they've brought in. And so I think that's a pretty legitimate criticism um, that it's just not there. There's the pitching pipeline has not uh, has not come to fruition the way we thought it would.
2: Um, the, the bullpen too, right? Like that, mm-hmm. that's the thing that I I don't get this because it seems to be. And I thought that Derek got the job because the trend was what young arms, lively arms come up fairly quickly um, and contribute, and with the Twins one a that, that has not been the case and b a, a guy like Al- alcala who's not a young man now it, to me is still being handled consistently with kid gloves and i don't understand why like where where is this where is this mentality of let's give these kids a shot um it's very weird and and it runs to me it runs counter to what i would expect and what i think i'm seeing in baseball right
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You mean in terms of developing, starting pitching and, and well, de- giving developing guys it and,
2: bringing a, and bringing Developing and bringing them up and slotting them in and not being all kid gloves about, oh, my God, if he fails, he's ruined. Um, yes. I'm, I'm not saying that you can treat everybody the same, but I, I am saying it feels like teams are acquiring and or drafting guys and fast tracking them. Because if you've got a good arm, you've got a good arm. Right. That's exactly right. And we're not seeing that.
1: You're right that the guys that have come up have been treated with kid gloves, I think, to a certain extent. Alcala is certainly uh, in that mix. Um, but there just haven't been many guys that have come up. I, you know, Duffy and Rogers have gotten better for sure. Uh, but, you know, they didn't protect Nick Anderson. All they had to do was add him to the 40 man back in 2018. He's become one of the best relievers in baseball. They traded away Ryan Presley when I believe he still had another year of control after, uh, you know, he, he, they traded him in July and he still had another year of control after that. He's been one of the best relievers in the league for Houston. So, you know, they, they've had guys in their system that they've let go. And and, and I think one of the biggest honestly is uh, Waskari Noah who pitched six great innings on Sunday night baseball uh, for the Braves. I think he's 23 now. Um, and he's looking like a, a potential top of the rotation guy, for Atlanta, you know, they traded him for for one start of Jaime Garcia, uh, if you remember back in 2017. They de- really? they then traded Jaime Garcia uh, for Dietrich Anz and Zach Latell, who they've both DFA'd. You know, so that's a a pretty good example right there of a really young arm uh, who had a lot of potential, who they could have developed, that they traded away for for basically nothing. You know, um, and and they've you know they they've made other mistakes you know 2017 they traded at the deadline they traded brandon kinsler who was an all-star closer and had a number of good years after that uh for tyler watson who hasn't developed into anything and they made the playoffs that year you know and they didn't have their closer um you know they in 2018 they signed a bunch of guys that uh made for a a clubhouse that i think a lot of people would say was not very um it was not a well-functioning clubhouse, you know, at Addison Reed and Logan Morrison and, and Lance Lynn, you know, that, that that kind of brought down that season. They also released Annabelle Sanchez that year in spring training, who went on to have two outstanding years um, that year and the next year. Yep. Uh, you know, they, in 2019, they didn't get a starter when they badly needed one. That team was special. That 2019 team was really special uh, and they clearly needed a starter and they didn't get one. All they got was Sergio Romo, who was good. And Sam Dyson, who, you know, did nothing for them. And
2: And that trade itself to me is, is, and I kept going back to the Dyson trade to this day. I don't get it. Like he was hurt. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I I think they were maybe misled on that. I don't know. No, I know, but I mean, they, they didn't do a thing about it. I, I asked, I asked Derek, I believe at the time after that was done, I said, are you going to go back at them and try and get compensation? I mean, the Giants screwed you basically. And he's like, oh, no, probably not. You know, and it's just like, what the hell happened there? Like, that was a very bizarre – But so so the scary thing in going through the list that you're going through, Jacob Pugh, the scary thing about it to me is this. As surprised as we are, I think, and I definitely am uh, by how this Twins team is doing right now, the list that you're going through is really instructive. And I get that it's not huge names, and so it's not this obvious – superstars being traded or something, but it's very instructive to like what they haven't done well and those things. And those things start to start to eventually add up. Right. So like, that's a really interesting list of guys and like, like what look to be um, as a one-off move, potentially not consequential, but if you put them all together, become extremely consequential and a big deal, And perhaps I shouldn't be as surprised that this team is scuffling, given that.
1: Yeah, and and just to finish my point, you know, they didn't really... uh, The the bullpen signings that they made this year have obviously uh, backfired on them spectacularly, you know, column a and, and Robles has been okay. Um, but you know, they had a clear need in the bullpen and, and they didn't really address it. And that's, that's brought them down. So I'm highlighting all the negative. They've obviously done a lot of positive as well. And the, the record shows that and the Maeda trade was fantastic. The Nelson Cruz signing was very good. Uh, they've done a lot of good, but I think it's fair to point out that they've made a lot of mistakes as well. And, and these trade deadlines have not treated them well, you know, Akil Badu, we'll see if, he's, if he ends up being a regular in the majors. They certainly could have used him this year, um, and, and he is. He, his numbers are, are certainly a lot better than Jake Cave. You know, they traded away Lamont Wade. They could have used him uh, this year. Uh, you know, and, and so between all of that and then the mismanagement in the playoffs, which is, which is partly on Rocco, and we've talked a lot about that uh, throughout this podcast, but I, I just, you know, I still think they're a good for an office. I, I'm certainly not advocating for firing them. I, I think they've done a good job but they have made mistakes and it's coming back to, to, to bite them this year.
2: It it also doesn't feel like they are doing a great job from the top on down of, of handling this crisis. Like it doesn't feel like they're prepared for what happens if things go wrong. It feels like, it feels like they try too hard when things aren't going well to go about their business. Like, it's still normal when it's definitely not like Rocco still I'll, I'll give, give you a prime example that they are on the precipice of they are on the precipice of because this is not at this point a small sample size right like we're now into 32 games you've won 12 games um, I need to see them be willing to apply the pressure because it's basically going to be off here soon and start to play Larnick. Kirilov, and if Sano doesn't play, I don't care. Now, the point being is, don't treat. We're getting close to the point where I don't treat these games like, well, I got to play my guys. Right, they're my guys. I think that we are uh, on the precipice of this team, where they should just say, we're going to play the guys that one give us a chance, but two point to the future and get them experience and play them. And you know what? If you have any chance of busting out of this horrendous slump, right, I think it goes to turnover and playing different guys. You know, this whole thing of Jake Cave playing like he's some type of veteran that you need, Jake, makes no sense to me. This whole thing of Miguel has to play again. No, he doesn't, you know. So when Kirilov comes back, he plays a ton. Larnick continues to play. And I almost don't care if he struggles. Let him struggle here. Let him if he's good if he is going to be as good as as they expect. Let him take his lumps now. Um, but you know this whole Kyle Garlick starting for us. Why? Like why? At some point here, flip the page. This whole mantra of well, we got these veterans or these guys that we like who need to play. No, you've got guys. You've got you're close to having, in my opinion, two sets of guys. One is the guys who like Kepler and Polanco, you have to find out, right? But two is this young crop, get them playing time, get them experience because at the rate you're going, your strategy right now on a daily basis is essentially not working.
1: Yeah. So, so as far as Kirilov, I mean, he will play when he comes back, but it sounds like surgery is still a possibility there. Uh, So there's no guarantee. I mean, they gave him a cortisone shot and he's going to try to swing a bat. So either he's going to come back relatively soon, or he might be up for a long time after surgery. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, we're, we're getting to the point now. You know, I, I think once they hit 10 games under five hundred w- which should come this week, th- that's pretty much the point where uh, I, I think the season is basically lost. You know, I think, I think in reality we're probably already there, but I want to give them one more week. They're playing the White Sox six times in the next nine games. Uh, so let's give them a shot and see if they can somehow do some damage. Uh, it seems very unlikely, but you you never know. But after that point, I want to see those guys you mentioned, and I think we will. I want to see more of Nick Gordon. You know, Nick Gordon had an electric debut. He was fantastic in his I debut. Know. Stole a couple of bases. He had a, made a really nice defensive play. Um, it, it, we've only seen right. him one game. He's been up, you know, for seven or eight days now. If you remember, they called him up the first time for three days and never he never even got into a game. Like, let's see what he can do. Um, so, yeah, I, I would give them another week or two. Uh, but then I think if it stays the way it is, I think first you trade Andrelton Simmons, Simmons uh, because he has a lot of value to a contending team. And I think there's a very real possibility that the whole COVID situation has um, been a pretty big factor uh, in, in that clubhouse. We don't know because we don't have access, but uh, you know, he's, he's, you know, we've talked about Simmons and, and his views. And so I just think if they're not going to contend, they got to get rid of him pretty quickly. And then you start thinking about trading, you know, a lot of these veteran guys like Cruz um, and, and Hap and, and other guys like that on one-year deals and see what the, what the kids can do. But yeah, I mean, the, as far as Cave, I, I, I don't get that. I don't understand why he's
2: getting as much playing time as he is. Um, cause they I think would... he's cause they think he's a. uh all... A professional, competent player, and my point is: play your kids. Let your kids see what they can do. Like you're very close. Like it's you know, garlic. It's not working. Like I don't know what the plan is there. Like oh, Kyle Garlic impressed us in spring training, and we think we might have something here. Well, come on, he's a he's a utility guy.
1: Yes, uh, but I will say, I mean, if you look at Garlic's numbers, he's been good. Uh, no, he
2: he has. So's my guy, Astadia, and guess what I think. He shouldn't be playing much, but like, I, I want a real team. I don't want to, well, we'll get by with this guy. And Oh, look at how he swings about at pitches above his head. I don't want that guy. I want to, I want to build a real team here. Like this, this feels like a one-off um, a, amateur baseball team to me. But okay. So let me push back on a second. For sure. a second. For a Who would you play?
1: Cause there, I mean, there aren't that many kids uh, that are ready that aren't playing. I mean, like who 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 would you play in place of Kyle Garlick and Jake
2: Cave? Uh, I would have an outfield right now when Ar- Arise comes back probably of Arise in left. I'd move Kepler to center. Just I I gotta play him because he he might just stink now. Um, I'd move Kepler to center, Larnick to right. When Kirloff comes back, he plays first. Sano so will still play, but I would not play him on a. Daily basis because I think that that's become an exercise in futility. Um, if I move, if I move Simmons, which I actually like that, I move Polanco back to short because I don't care. I move Gordon to second base. I play him a lot. I find out what I have. Again, this is to me, it's about discovery. I can Astadio and Garlic and Cave. I can tell you right now what they are, and and if I can, they can. Um, JD continues to play third base, of course. So. But what I'm doing is I'm all about discovering things. And I want a rise and left as much as possible because I don't think he is a train wreck there, but he's definitely not a polished product. And so if I can polish him there, like it just does me no good to play these guys who they see as, oh, but he's professional. I don't give a crap about that. So I am, I am about discovery. I'm about discovery and I'm about, and look, if they are going to trade guys, which they have done before, it means, that they don't care that much about the people, which, which it's pro sports. You shouldn't like, I'm not saying that you should be bad to them, but you have no obligation to play guys. Right. Mm-hmm. So right there, um, right there, I've carved myself out the opportunity to see guys or to get them experience where I want to, as opposed to, Oh, Jay cave and center might help me win a ball game. Oh, Bleep that your team's not any good, you know, like, like he can pinch hit. I'm not kicking him to the curb. Not yet. At least. But I don't need him starting. Let Kepler start because I need to. When it comes to Max, this is the year. Like you got to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Like if he's not good, he's not good. Then then he should be gone.
1: Yes, and and I, I I mean I agree with your basic point. And I think we're getting. I think we're a couple of weeks away from that. Like guys like Kyle Garlick can help you now. Uh, but if you're a losing team, there's no reason to give them at bats. You know, um, you got to see what the kids can do. And I think I think we're getting to that point. I think they're still holding out some hope that they can that they can miraculously turn it around. And it's possible. It's possible. Um We've w- you know, we're only 32 games in. I don't think it's likely. I don't think it's going to happen. But I understand why they're not jumping ship yet. But we're close. And, again, this this stretch of tough games that they have coming up against the White Sox and Oakland and then a little bit down the road is New York and Houston, you know, we'll have a pretty good idea by June 1st uh, if this team has any chance of, of making a comeback. I, I think at that point you're not going to see, assuming they don't make a big comeback, I don't think we're going to see Jake Cave and, and Garlic and some of these guys. But, it, yeah, I mean, it, it, this is a terrible situation. I mean, this season could not – have gone worse to this point. I mean, it could not have gone. If you had told me at the beginning of the year that they would be 12 and 20, uh, you know, on May 10th, I would absolutely have not believed that for a second because they're trying, I mean, they're trying to win, you know, and, and they have a worse record than uh, a lot of teams that are, that are pretty clearly not trying to win, you know, Seattle has a winning record and, you know, they're, they're Kevin, Kevin, mather i think his name was came out you know uh, at the beginning of the season before he got fired and basically said they were tanking uh more or less um you know the orioles some of these teams that are tanking uh, are, are having more success than the twins so um yeah this is this has been a total train wreck um and and, and i think a lot of it has to do with the bullpen and the fact that they oh, didn't address the bullpen
2: 100 percent
1: and combine that with pulling starters early. Now I did see a stat. I think it was Gleeman tweeted out that the twins are, are like top five in the league in in terms of innings and pitches. Um, And so maybe that criticism is a bit unfair, although I will say, um, you know, for, for some of these teams that are rebuilding and have bad staffs, you know, of course they're not going to have, they're not going to go deep in the games. Right. So like among contenders, uh, I think the twins uh, are, are very much middle of the pack when it comes to innings and pitches. Um, but I just there have been a number of examples where guys were at eighty something pitches and and in my view could have thrown That's another that, inning.
2: That stat is completely flawed. Here's why, um, and this this is why you have to watch games and use you, you stats. You can't use stats or eye test alone. That stat's completely flawed because of this. It's situationally and who he pulls. So so the entire rotation right, the entire rotation makes up that that stat. Mm-hmm. Matt Shoemaker I would take out in the second personally so anytime he's been pulled I don't give a damn so take him out all right now take Hap out or not don't care again it's three guys we're talking about and going back to the playoffs Maeda and Barrios being pulled was inexcusable inexplicable and stupid um so if you want to go so the problem with that stat is you have to get that stat down to three guys, and then we we have to take it game by game of when they get pulled, and Pineda, Maeda, Barrios. And that is, that is, there's no way to do that stat correctly, because it's too all-encompassing. So, cause I was, I'm never talking about, well, you shouldn't have pulled the fifth guy. I don't care. I don't care when he pitches or or does not. It's three guys. And as I told you before, Pineda is a horse. He's a huge man. I ride him and you know what? His arm falls off. That ain't my problem. I don't care. So going back to that, that's why the, The marrying in all sports, too, Jake, the marrying of stats and eye test is extremely important. And to just use stats or this is what I think I saw is the problem. So this has to be boiled down to when does Rocco pull guys? Who is he pulling and why?
1: Well, and I also think, and I said this last week, if you're going to pull guys in inning, you know, before they could, they would presumably be pulled at hundred pitches or whatever you better have a really good pen. And and that is something, you know, I I thought the stat was, was interesting. I agree. It's flawed for a number of reasons. Um, But, but that's something that stat doesn't take into account. Like when you have a really crappy pen, of course. uh, And, and and to be fair to Gleeman, he has pointed out how bad the pen has been. It's been like historically Mm -hmm. bad in terms of um, win probability added and stats like that. But um, you know, if your pen is that bad and you're trying to win, then that's all the incentive you need to push the starters one more inning, especially right. veterans who have proven they can do it like Pineda and Maeda and Hap. like those guys, you know, they've been in the big leagues for a long time. They know, you know what they can do uh, and, and how far they can push themselves. And if they're willing to go another inning, then you put them out there for another inning when your bullpen options uh, you know leave leave a lot to be desired so uh, I, I think there's been a lot of mismanagement there but in terms of you know the theme of this podcast the front office it's really the the front office um their failure to bring in uh, serviceable pen arms that that's really come come back to bite them. You know, a uh, has been obviously terrible. Robles is, has not been great. Um, and Stashak, a guy who they really relied on in the postseason and, and through the last couple of years has also not been good and, and been sent down twice now. Um, you know, and, and it led to them DFAing Blankenhorn, who's the number 18 prospect in their system. And I know he had that terrible error, but that's not a reason to DFA someone they had to DFA him just to bring in Derek law, you know, kind of a, a Journeyman middle reliever because they were so desperate for bullpen arms, so
2: uh, they they put themselves in this situation. Uh, they, they they really did. All right, Byron Buxton, it's a hip strain now. It's grade two. He's out for, I, I believe, to quote Rocco, several weeks. I don't know where to begin now. I I am so I'm not surprised, um, but I mean, when this guy is healthy and can play, we've talked about it. Unbelievable. Phenomenal talent, deserves a ton of credit for turning himself from a disaster at the plate into a really good player. Uh, But, Jake, you – I go back and forth here because when he's good, he's so good. But I am now back to how do you sign him long-term to the contract he's going to want when you can never, ever count on going a month without something going wrong? And I don't even want to assess blame here. I have no idea why, but at this point in time, the why doesn't matter. It's the what, and the what is this guy can never consistently play. Yeah, and it it just sucks. It sucks. It sucks for everyone. It sucks obviously
1: most for Buxton. It sucks for the organization. It sucks for the fans who uh, who love watching him play. I mean, the guy's such an electric player. He. I tweeted out. Uh, this sort of like overly emotional, sentimental tweet, right? Everyone on the IL is like, you know, he's this passionate, hardworking player and he deserves better um, because I really believe that. Like, I really believe that he like uh, th- he's a guy you cheer for, you know, um, and, no. and it's it, it's it's as far as sports go, a tragedy uh, when you see somebody who's supremely talented and wants it this badly and just his body won't let him do it you know. Um, so as far as the contract extension stuff, it's going to be one of the most interesting uh, dynamics of, of, you know, the, the op, you know, offseason in two years. Uh, what are the twins or what does the league offer this guy um, who's just such a great player, good clubhouse guy, but absolutely cannot stay on the field? I, I don't know. I, I personally would give him a lot of money in a, in a really short like I, I think I would give him something well, like a like, one month period. Like,
2: I, <laughs> hey, I'll pay for May because I think you might stay healthy for this May. Yeah, I, I think I would. I think
1: I would maybe give him like I don't know. I'd have to think more about it. But would I commit a lot of years and over a hundred million dollars to him? I don't think I I could you do can. that. No, you just can't. You
2: just Not can't. This team.
1: No, and it just it just. Sucks and um you know hopefully he'll be back in a, a few weeks or a month, but if, i mean there's just no guarantee uh that he's going to stay on the field even when he does come back and i, I hope he comes back and at least you know makes an all star team it does things like that but um what can you say? I mean he was the m v p oh. of the league for the first month of the season um but you know he injured himself on on kind of a nothing play just a running down the line play. I don't know if it was related to the hamstring and the knee um or not, but um Either way, it's just it's it's just too bad, and uh, I would certainly offer him some sort of extension, uh, but it, it would not be. They have tried though, you know.
2: Yeah, uh, he, it's been very team friendly. Get, yeah, but i but I I can't blame them. Yeah, that's the problem. Is yeah. like, what do you offer him that that's almost not insulting to the player that he's become because he can't stay healthy, and I don't I don't think it has anything to do with him not pushing through. I don't think it has anything to do with him not being tough. No, like there's like, I just think that he finds a way and I don't know why to get hurt, but my God, it's all, you know, you know, Jake, he's going to come back from this at some point. And my guess is something else goes wrong.
1: Well, based on the injury history, I mean, yeah. you have to assume that that's a strong possibility. Yeah. I mean, what would you give him? Well, if, if right now, if his agent came to you right now and said, we want to, we want to talk extension. What, what would be a reasonable offer in your mind? Oh, and Dex boy. too, if you want to chime in.
2: Yeah. I give him. I'd I'd offer probably offer three years at this point with an option, perhaps, because I don't want to go five because a term. But it would have to. But but the number itself would have to be in my favor, which I would guess they they turned down, and they're probably right to do so because my guess is somebody will pay him, but I just can't do it. Not with this team. If you if you give him anything close to a contract that he he wants. We can complain from now until two thousand twenty eight, but it's gonna hurt my team and if he can't play, it's going to preclude me from signing guys. Like would, like yeah. you you think you think the Maurer contract was a problem? <laughs> Imagine one for the for, for Buxton.
0: Yeah, Sorry, I, I would probably go and he would say no to this, but I'm I'm playing from the poker side that I'm offering the contract. I would give him two years and I would give him thirty eight million dollars. I would give him a crap load of money for the first two years, and I know he could get a longer term deal on the open market. But I'm I'm just going to tell him, hey, all right, we'll give you two, we'll give you a good amount of money, we'll give you close to twenty million per for these next two seasons. And if you don't want that, and you want to take a bigger deal somewhere else, then do it. I can't commit to a guy who is this injured. I can commit to him though with what he's been able to do lately. But I. His speed is his biggest attribute, and even though his health has deterred him from staying on the field, there is going to come a point where when Byron Buxton's 30 years old, and he's no longer the fastest player. He can still be one of the best defensive center fielders in the game. Gerard Dyson still has a a major league career because he's a very good defensive player. But if his speed starts to deteriorate naturally as you get older, I can't commit to you, and especially with your injury. So I'd go short term, and I know he probably would say, hell no, but that's what I would do. I'd give him a lot of money for two years and then say bye-bye.
1: Yeah. You, you completely stole my take. I was going to say two years, 40 million um, for all of the reasons that that you just listed. I, I, he deserves to make a lot of money, um, you know, per year, but yeah, I mean, when his speed goes uh, he'll still be a very good hitter. Obviously he's proven this year and and really last year too. Um, But when his speed goes, a lot of his value goes. So I I think two years, 40 million with maybe a huge um, uh, team option, like a team option for like 30 million for the, Third year that they can decline if he's not healthy, um, but that gives him financial security you know it, it gives him you know financial security for him and his his kids for the rest of their lives uh, but it doesn't totally um bankrupt you if it doesn't work out i, I don't think he'd take that and, and i don't blame him um, I understand why he'd want to test the open market but uh, yeah if I'm the twins i i can't go i can't i can't give him a hundred million plus as much as i as I want to, and as much as I want him to be you know, the, the cornerstone of the, of the franchise and play 130 games every year. He just hasn't shown that he can do that, unfortunately. So um, I think he's probably going to go to free agency and, and you're right. Maybe some team like the Mets uh, will we'll, we'll overpay him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And maybe he'll stay
2: healthy and, and have a great career into his thirties. But um, I don't think at this point, there's any chance. I, I think he's going to break down every time. And, and if you do give him two years, you'd be paying you'd be paying him for 100 games max is my guess he's gonna miss 60 i mean it's incredible he finds different ways to get hurt his body does and i don't know how but and the problem is this too what makes him in some ways such a a valuable player the ability to go make catches and to run like the wind are the exact things that get him hurt so like if you did get him to just pull up on all, you know, Hey, go slow down, which he's tried to do yeah. slow down. Don't run into fences, which we've t- talked about Quit crashing in, you know, quit crashing into fences and dropping your body onto the warning track. Cause you basically jumped as high as Superman, all of that. And he's like, okay, cool. He becomes less valuable on the spot. So I just don't see a good way here. I mean, to stay healthy, he would have to just be, tough to start with and i think he is tough but this is a guy in spring training boys who missed time because he chipped a tooth or something like i mean it's just he finds ways it's just bizarre it's it's like it follows him around so uh but but last
1: thing let me just say real quick that's part of the reason i think I, i like him so much and a lot of fans like him so much is that He's willing to sacrifice. Like he plays no, so hard, he sacrifices his body. He doesn't make business decisions, and and he and he should. He and like you said, they've been trying to get him to do that more. But but that's part of what makes me like him personally is how hard yeah. he
2: plays. But unfortunately, it's leading to so, yeah. Last thing, do you, everything we do a talking twin show, where I could make this statement and it's a thousand percent true and it's really sad. Miguel Sano at this point in his career is a better first baseman with the glove than he is at the plate to me that's the most telling thing like of all of the things that I could say I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would ever say that this guy is a better fielder he is more valuable as a glove man than he is at the plate 129 299 226 is the slash line right now since coming back from the hamstring Struck out nine times and walked twice in 19 plate appearances, 17 official at-bats. He is a better defensive replacement late in games than he is a guy going to the plate. That's sad.
1: It, it is. It's too bad. And, um, you know, he had an at-bat in the fifth inning of the second game against Detroit, where they had just tied it on the Donaldson home run and then loaded the bases with one out. And I think they brought in a new reliever. And he swung at the first pitch. I thought po- the same thing. And popped it out to <laughs> – it was a pop out to second. Yep. And it was like, you, you've you got to be kidding me. Like, you, the only strength that you have right now is your ability to draw walks. You know, it, he's totally lost at the plate in terms of making hard contact. And he, to swing at the first pitch there and just weakly pop out, I mean, that really killed the momentum. They didn't, they didn't add on, and they ended up losing that game. That was such a bad at-bat. And Rocco basically said he didn't call it Sano so by name, but he said after the game – our bats were really good until we got to, to men in scoring position. And then, and then we just yeah, it was a terrible get it done. It was a terrible at bat. That's him now. That, unfortunately it is. Um, and you're right with the glove. He actually is pretty good with the glove. Um, uh, but I mean, we talk about him every podcast and it's just, I, I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know where the, the play discipline went. I I don't know if it's a work ethic issue, if it's just, I have no idea, but it's, he's unplayably bad at the plate. I mean, he just is like, he's a power hitting first baseman. Who's hitting for no power. He's, he's turned into Chris Davis, you know? So oh,
2: exactly. All right, sir. Appreciate it. Um, hopefully next week, there's something good to talk about. Yeah. If nothing else, let's talk about who to trade ASAP. Okay. We're, I we'll have Put a feeling, together
1: a list. I have a feeling we're going to be having a lot of those types of conversations over the next couple of months.
2: All right. He's Jake. I'm Judd. That's Dex. We'll talk to you on talking twins next week.